It's been more than three years since COVID-19 arrived in New York and policymakers began implementing emergency rules and regulations to respond to the public health crisis. But now many, if not all, of those pandemic procedures are being relaxed or eliminated. To understand what this changing landscape means in the healthcare industry, including for the workforce, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by B. Grouse, president of the Healthcare Association of New York State, which represents hospitals, nursing homes, home care agencies, and other healthcare organizations. Welcome back to the show, B. Hey, Dave. Great to be with you. It's our pleasure to hear from you. So in May, the state health department announced they were repealing New York's COVID-19 healthcare worker vaccine requirement. How did that mandate impact healthcare facilities since it was implemented? And what is the impact of the requirement being retired? The impact on healthcare providers is that it, it gave them uh, a return, I think, some flexibility for them to hire healthcare workers who may not be vaccinated. Um, and when I say flexibility, uh, there are there are many hospitals who will require still require uh, healthcare workers to be vaccinated against COVID nineteen uh, prior to employment. So it it just added a layer of flexibility. Prior to that mandate taking effect and some workers losing their jobs, the industry was already facing a personnel shortage, something you and I have talked about repeatedly. What was the impact, though, of losing these additional workers during the pandemic? Was it a significant loss at the time? Well, we don't collect data on that, so I don't have a hard number for you. Um, But I will share that anecdotally, you know, particularly during the height of the pandemic, really losing one healthcare worker was a crisis. So, so losing even a small handful, again, while the numbers might be small, really did have an impact on, um, for example, some rural facilities that really depended on core staff to keep their ER or their OR open. So it, it made a big difference. Well, you mentioned that hospitals and healthcare facilities have the ability to impose their own vaccine mandate moving forward. What are you hearing about the possibility of that from health corps organizations in New York? Does it seem like that'll be par for the course or could it be more infrequent in terms of who's imposing vaccine mandates? We already have healthcare facilities that are already doing that. So on a go forward basis, for what that means for people on, on a go forward basis is that if you wanted to work um, at a hospital that had a, a COVID vaccine uh, requirement as a condition of employment, and you were applying for a job, you would have to get a vaccine in order to be eligible to be, if, if they offered you a job and you wanted to take the job, you would have to get the vaccine. So that's that's already happening. I do, you know, COVID is still with us. Uh, and I was just listening to the World Health Organization uh, leader uh, talk about how uh, we should expect uh, the COVID-19 to remain with us for years to come. So we really don't know what the future holds uh, for COVID-19. So I think probably over time, more hospitals than not will require that as a condition of employment. Uh, but I think in the shorter term, I think um, I- I'm sure that we will have a number of hospitals that are just uh, holding holding off on that, and then um, perhaps we'll reconsider that in the future. And with the caveat that, as you said, there hasn't been a examination that you guys have done statewide or surveys or collecting of data, but do you anticipate 
a significant return of healthcare workers who left the space in response to the vaccine mandate uh, to return? Or is it your impression, either based on anecdotal evidence or just your gut feeling that a lot of these people have moved on? I think it's the latter, Dave. Honestly, I don't think we expect a big return because, again, people who left uh, their healthcare positions during the pandemic, uh, I would assume most of them had to work. And if they were leaving healthcare, they moved into a, a, another line of work. Some will probably decide to return to healthcare, but but I don't. I think many people will just uh, stay where they are. So while the vaccine mandate may have shrunken the available pool of healthcare workers during the pandemic, Governors Cuomo and Hochul both took executive actions and oversaw the implementation of regulations designed to expand the eligible workforce in healthcare facilities, uh, including bringing in people from out of the state. Are any of these measures coming to an end or were ceased uh, earlier in the pandemic that have potentially impacted the pool of workers that you might have been able to access? Yes, uh, that is actually a very active issue in the legislature right now. So I don't really know how it's going to wind up coming uh, coming to pass. But, you know, the executive order is going to expire June 8th. And uh, we are uh, working with uh, state lawmakers to continue some of those flexibilities in a in a limited way. So so having uh, the ability to continue to hire out-of-state workers for a limited time is something that we are actively discussing and, and lawmakers are considering. To your original point, Dave, I think it makes more sense to actually look forward than to you know, think that maybe we have healthcare workers who left because they didn't want to get the vaccine who might come back. I think the more important focus for us is going to... Um, look at the policies and uh, the ability uh, for the administration to help healthcare providers recruit and retain more healthcare workers and making sure that that educational pipeline, that the schools are, are fully staffed with faculty, uh, that, that applications are getting out and that we're enrolling and graduating uh, more healthcare workers over time, because that is a much more stable way to make sure that we have enough qualified healthcare workers uh, in every community across New York State. Well, for listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with B. Grouse, president of the Healthcare Association of New York State. And in terms of the potential of out-of-state workers and, and their role in the New York State healthcare system, do they play a, a meaningful role in the entire state? Are, are they particularly meaningful in the New York City area because of the close proximity to other states? How do you think about the, them in, in the system? They do play a meaningful role, Dave. Uh, and it's really probably more in the border areas and in the rural areas across the state. If you look at the state of New York, uh, you know, we have a share a very large border with Pennsylvania and Ohio uh, Vermont and Massachusetts and Connecticut. So there are uh, there is lots of back and forth, so to speak, of healthcare workers uh, from those bordering areas. And those hospitals located near those borders uh, tend to more heavily depend on on healthcare workers from uh, from other states. So that is, and again, we don't collect data on that. 
But anecdotally, what we understand is that those are the facilities who are taking advantage of the current workforce flexibilities. And are there other rules or regulations that are coming to an end as a result of the pandemic emergency likely expiring that you would like to see retained in some other fashion? I really think the ones related to workforce flexibilities are are the big ones and you know just whether or not it pertains to scope of practice, hiring of out-of-state workers, whether or not New York joins the licensing compact. So I think all related to making sure that we have enough healthcare workers in hospitals across the state. That's really been our key regulatory focus as far as ending of the public health emergency and the ending of the vaccine requirement is really our focus on how are, how are hospitals and nursing homes able to still provide care. Well, when it comes to, say, the expanded scope of practice that some healthcare professionals enjoyed during the pandemic, would you like to see those rules and regulations just basically written into law as they were executed during the pandemic? Or would you like to see uh, some tweaks or variations of what we experienced during the pandemic? I, I would say probably more the latter. And there are some legislative issues that I think we hope to codify some of those flexibilities around EMS, for example, where we are, um, you know, hoping to build on practices that occurred during the pandemic that we'd like to make more permanent. And are there any rules or regulations that were in place during the pandemic and and are set to sunset or have uh, sunset recently that you're just glad to see in your rearview mirror? Uh, not that I can think of, really. The big one is EO4. Uh, that that really was, uh, I think, the the centerpiece of, of providing us with the pandemic-related flexibilities that we needed. And what about regulations governing things like capacity and where you could put patients and services that were being provided? What's the status of all of that? Is that being left in place or are those being retired as well? No, those are still being left in place, and we still have quite a bit of reporting requirements. Uh, we've been talking to the department, it seems like for years now, uh, but uh, at a minimum months uh, around the level of daily reporting that, that occurred during the pandemic and is still occurring. We have heard from the commissioner that they are planning to uh, minimize that that reporting burden, um, but there are there are, you know, things like personal protective equipment or PPE, uh, stockpiling requirements that are still in place. Um, you know, there's still, uh, you know, all the infection control requirements in hospitals are still in place. And, um, you know, and we're, we're taking advantage of kind of more mainstreaming around telehealth uh, that has become really a part of our day to day and I think is part of the new normal. And what about that issue of, say, your ability to, quote unquote, surge and flex. Is that something that's been written into law or is that still a product of regulations and could be relaxed moving forward? Well, it's 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 obviously always subject to change. But yes, I'm, the state, uh, those regulations are still in place. And I think the state has the, uh, you know, certainly the ability at any point, uh, if, if, we saw a resurgence of COVID-19, for example, or another pandemic hit the state. The, it's certainly within the state's authority to declare another emergency 
and change those requirements if they de- if they deem fit. But again, the surge uh, the surge and flex uh, requirements really apply if there is a um, you know a dramatic uh, inc- influx of patients needing inpatient medical care. And so if that is anticipated, then absolutely uh, the state has the ability to turn that on and hospitals are prepared to respond. Well, we've been speaking with B. Grouse. She is the president of the Healthcare Association of New York State. B, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. It's always great to talk to you, Dave. Have a great week. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.